Well, it's good to see everybody here who has made it in person. Every week, we see some people who have come back for the first time in a long time to in-person services, so it's great to have you here, and welcome to everybody who is viewing online, and I know that there are so many people who are online who are planning to make their comeback. We would love to see you soon, and I even hear every week of people who tell me so-and-so in their life started watching the services online, and they're going to come soon. So hello to everybody online who's kind of checking the church out, and maybe one day you're going to uh, visit in person too. We're glad you're here, and we just want you to know wherever you are, if you're here, if you're online, uh, we're glad that you're here. And hey, you get to worship, you get to get into God's Word, regardless of how you're doing it, so we're just grateful that you're a part of this. We started a new series a few weeks ago in the book of Psalms, and in the book of Psalms, we're going to go to Psalm 19 today. We learned last week that there are uh, five books in the book of Psalms, books within books. They each flow through what we're calling seasons of faith. And uh, I asked last week, what season of faith are you in? Is it summertime? Is life going the way it should go? Have some blessings come your way? Have you seen the goodness of God? Uh, or maybe is it fall? Are things starting to get shaky? Are uh, troubles coming? Is there storm clouds on the horizon? Or maybe it's winter. You're in the depths. Your pipes are frozen. You can't move forward. You're stuck, right? Uh, or is it spring? Has God taken you through some things? And is dawn coming up? Uh, uh, are, is there new growth, right? Coming up beauty from the ashes. Whatever season of faith you're in, it's important to realize that there's a psalm for you. The psalms are songs. They were meant to be sung by the Old Testament saints. And so they're a mixture of poetry uh, and, and music. And so we're studying a very interesting genre. And I also said last week, it's a great chance for me to be a pastor on Sunday morning and to say, look, the Bible is aware of all the seasons of life. And so we're going to talk about that. The beginning is book one, which is full of psalms of orientation, meaning who is God? Who am I? How can I know him? And listen, you were created to know God, to serve his purposes, to glorify your maker. Your life is significant. You matter because your life is part of the eternal theme of a glorious God. And regardless of what setbacks you have faced, regardless of the pain you've endured or the sins you've committed, and regardless of even the prosperity that you may be enjoying, God is calling you to know him and to worship him. That's what you were born for. So Psalm 19 is a great starting point to ask the question, who is God? How can I know him personally? Right? Can I know him personally? That's what Psalm 19 seeks to show us. So we're going to get our bearings in Psalm 19. It's called, Have You Heard? Because all through Psalm 19, things are speaking about God to us, and we're supposed to listen. So let's pray and ask God to speak to us today. Father, we invite you through your word to speak to us. Show us, regardless of what season of life we are in, that we can know you, we can serve you, and we can glorify you. Meet us in power during this series in the Psalms and shepherd our hearts well. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, Psalm 19, verse 1. It says here to the choir master, a psalm of David. So David wrote it. And it says, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. Day to day pours out speech, night to night reveals knowledge. There is no speech, nor are there words where their voice is not heard. Their voice goes out 
through all the earth and their words to the end of the world. In them he has set a tent for the sun, which comes out like a bridegroom leaving his chamber and like a strong man runs its course with joy. Its rising is from the end of the heavens and its circuit to the end of them. There is nothing hidden from its heat. This first section focuses on creation. And so jot this down. Number one, listen to creation. Do you want to know God? Do you want to know about God? Do you want to experience his beauty? Look at, look at creation. Look at nature. Because the heavens declare the glory of God. Listen to creation. Particularly featured in Psalm 19 is the sky. So check it out. Here's a few pictures from the skies. And you've probably seen a beautiful sunrise. And, and that says there must be a God. The beauty, the grandeur, the glory. Here's the next picture. You've, you've seen on a sunny day the shadows, the clouds, and you've looked up, and in the sky, it's as if there's something telling you God is glorious. Uh, even, in the, even in the stormy times, check it out, <laughs> with the thunder and the lightning. This is a picture of Chicago when, when all three of the big towers got hit at once. And as the thunder rolls, as the lightning fills up the sky, there must be a God. Wow. The heavens declare the glory of God. This is referring to general revelation. General revelation means there are some basic principles you can know about God through creation. Uh, scholars have called creation the little book. The little book. Uh, scripture, the canon, which comes next, is the big book. But creation is the little book. And when you immerse yourself in creation, you're reading of God's glory. In fact, the skies are speaking. The heavens declare the glory of God. The sky above proclaims his handiwork. There's a hymn by Jay Addison called The Spacious Firmament on High. What are the odds of a song named that becoming number one on the top billboard charts today? The Spacious Firmament on High. Here's what it says. In reason's ear they all rejoice and utter forth a glorious voice, forever singing as they shine, the hand that made us is divine. Nature can teach us things about God. The hands that made us is divine. There is a God. Now what can we learn about God from creation? Jot this, jot this down. There is a glorious God. There is a, there is a God and He is glorious. And if you need to be reminded that there is a glorious God, get outside. Go camping. Get outside. See the wonders of creation. Go for a walk around a lake. Schedule a trip to head up into the forest of Wisconsin. Go see the mountains in Colorado, right? Find a beach in Florida. Amen. <laughs> Go to the southwest and see the red rocks. And as you walk around, creation will be telling you there's a glorious God. I was sitting with a man once at Portillo's. I always love Portillo's, but I was more engaged in the conversation here. And he was telling me he doesn't believe there's a God. He thinks everything came from nothing. It all evolved. And I took the Portillo's bag and I held it upside down. And I said, how long do I have to shake this bag before another hamburger comes out? He's like, well, that's not the same thing. I'm like, you're right, it's not the same thing because I actually have a bag. According to your theory, there wasn't even a bag in the beginning and a whole universe fell out. I said, listen, look around. If you say everything came from nothing, you're denying the grandeur and glory of what you see. There must be a God and he's glorious. 
He's glorious. Here's a few pictures of the night sky. And when you look up at night, this is a time-lapse picture, of course, but you see the sky filled with glory. Here's another picture. You, you, you see creation, and, and it says there must be a God. It says in verse 2, day to day pours out speech, night to night reveals knowledge. The, the knowledge at night is look up, and with the Hubble Space Telescope, we can peer farther and farther into the uh, depths of space than ever before, and oh, there's not nothing there. Oh, it's not nothing up there. It's full of wonderful knowledge. Even space now, we can, we can take readings of space, and it's, it's not empty. It is a sea of fluctuating energy. Wow. God filled the skies with His glory. The sky above proclaims His handiwork. Day to day pours out speech, and night to night reveals knowledge. And this is heard in every language. There's no speech, nor are there words whose voice it is not heard. It's a universal message. Their voice goes out through all the earth, all people, and their words to the end of the world. There's a glorious God. There's a glorious God. Jot this down. We can know that He's mighty in power. He's glorious, and He's mighty in power. And the Son is now brought into center stage here. The Son is proof of God's mighty power. Uh, it says in verse says in verse 4, in them he has set a tent for the sun, which comes out like a bridegroom leaving his chamber, like a strong man runs its course with joy. Its rising is from the end of the heavens, its circuit to the end of them, and there's nothing hidden from its heat. So here David is like looking up, wow, wow, the heavens are telling me something, and then boom, sunrise, and he's imagining the sun making its circuit faithfully every day like this champion running his race. This is the featured star of God's glorious creation in the sky, the sun. And it shows that God is mighty in power. Why? Why? Because that big ball of flaming gas stays on its course at God's command. Every day it runs its course in glory. We're supposed to see in its glory God's glory. I love thinking about the sun. Sometimes we don't realize how gigantic the sun is, our sun. So check it out. You know that I love science. Any chance I get, I'm a sci-fi fan. I show those nerdy science videos. Check it out. Here's a, a video that's trying to show us the size of our sun in proportion to the earth and the moon. So the earth is on the left, the moon is on the right, and here comes the sun to show you, this is to scale to show you the size of our sun. And here comes, and David's talking about it like it's this mighty champion running its course in the sky. But when you know the size of it, you're like, I'm really glad it stays on track. Is anyone else really glad it stays on track? I, like, we have a weather forecast in the morning. I'm really glad we don't have a gravity forecast, right? Is it going to be stronger or weaker today? Wow, the physics that went into that, of keeping that thing in line... And then, when you, when you look around, and there's so many discoveries made today, our sun is not even a big star. It's not even a big one in, in all the universe. It's actually kind of an average size star, which means, so I found this, I, I, any chance I get, I share this illustration. I talked about it when we were in Moses, and Moses said, show me your glory to God. And I pointed out that anyone who knows physics would say, don't, no, don't ask him to do that. If God shows us his glory, we're going to be incinerated, okay? 
show me your glory. So what God did was God lit up the skies a little bit and showed Moses a tiny little blip of his true glory. And while I was online, I found this really awesome site online that's called the Universe Sandbox. Some physics geek wired the whole site where you can actually go in and you can start playing with the universe. Like you want to put Earth in a different solar system, you can just bloop. Uh, you want to move the planets to a different order, you can do it. And it shows you readings of what happens to each planet when you do that, temperature-wise, gravity-wise. And I'm like, well, this is the best thing ever. And then I was like, I wonder what would happen if I brought a much larger star, maybe the biggest star, into our universe, into our solar system just to see what happens. It's a good thing I'm not in charge. Okay? So I, and I took a screenshot, a little video. Here's what happens. If you grab uh, the largest known star... Uh, Canis Majoris, maybe there's a new, new big one by now, but look, our sun is that tiny little speck in the middle of the screen, see that? And then I brought Canis Majoris just slowly into, and, and then it shows you the readings, they come up on the right side of the screen of what happens, and our planets start getting out of there or getting consumed by the heat, Earth gets up to a thousand degrees in no time, there's Earth, it's scorched, it's on fire right now, and Canis Majoris just keeps coming and coming, and by the end our whole solar system is gone, and it was so fun. But after I did that, I realized when Moses said, show me your glory, God could have brought Canis Majoris along and incinerated the earth and said, that's something I made. Now do you want me to show you what I am? Do you really want that, Moses? No! <laughs> wow! That's why we can't see God and live in his glory. The sun proves that God is mighty in power. You get utility bills, right? Can you imagine trying to fuel a star, just one of them, the gas bill on that? God keeps them all going. Imagine the power necessary. The power required to start the universe is greater than the sum total of power in the universe. That's a big, that, that's a big task for a mighty being. Wow. So God is mighty in power. It compares the son to a bridegroom leaving his chamber. Back in the day, back in Jesus' day, when it was wedding time, the groom got the glory. I know, the oohs and the ahs, it wasn't the bride. In our day, it's reversed for the better. Here's a picture of a bride making her way down the aisle, and everyone is, is like, oh, here she comes. Oh, how lovely and beautiful. Back then it was the groom. Oh, the groom's coming, right? Today it's like big deal. The groom's just standing there, right? So, but capture that image. How glorious is the sun? Like a bride on her wedding day walking down the aisle. Such glory. And then, it, and then it compares the sun like a champion rejoicing to run its course. Here's a picture of a champion in a race who's rejoicing to run the course, right? There's glory in victory. The crowd is roaring. And this shows the glory in creation. There's a glorious God. He's mighty in power. Jot this down. He's wise and creative. Wise and creative. It says in verse 1, this guy proclaims his handiwork. Day today, verse 2 reveals knowledge. There's knowledge, there's intelligence behind creation. He's wise and he's creative. Here's some pictures of things God made, and he had to hand carve them all. He just thought them up, right? Started with a blank sheet and, and thought them up. Nature shows us this. Here's the next picture. He he just designed these things, he just built them. Go ahead, on to the next picture. 
He just created them. He colored them. He got out his crayons. There was nothing telling him what a zebra was. Here's the next picture. He, he, just, he just designed them. These things are, did they really just spill out of a random Lego box full of molecules and assemble themselves this way? No. Here's the next picture. And, and the skies teach us that there's order. Uh, there's, there's cycles. There's seasons of life. And from the beginning, God created them. And here's the next picture. And he filled the sky with his glorious creation. This is not time plus matter plus chance. This is not unguided uh, evolution. This is the glory of God. He is wise and he's creative. This is meant to show us that people have no excuse for not knowing God and for not thanking God. If they don't know God, if they don't thank God, they haven't been listening. They haven't been listening because the earth is full of the glory of God. Creation tells us this. Watch out because many people look up to nature, look up to the stars, look up to the skies, look around at the trees, and they draw wrong conclusions with this surging spiritual energy. In the ancient world, they saw the skies as being ruled by many little gods. And they also would say that the sun and the moon were gods. Well, that's a mistake. That's mistaking the spiritual message and energy, and, and that's stopping short of what creation is meant to point us to. Even today, people feel that they have to understand and pacify the whims of a, of a cosmic order somehow, and they spiritualize nature and try and draw energy from it or direction from it, as seen in things like astrology or, or horoscopes or finding vortexes or, or trying to channel energy from around them or getting good vibes, and all of that is mistaken. Yes, there's spiritual energy and information, but it's meant to point us to something greater than nature itself. The glory of nature reflects the glory of God, the one true God. J.D. Greer, I think it was, who said, if I was taking my family to Walt Disney World, and as we were driving down to Florida, we saw the first Walt Disney World sign, and we got out and we said, we found it, Walt Disney World. And we took our picture with the sign, and then we looked around and said, man, we heard it was actually bigger than this, but I guess this is it. And then we turned and went home. We missed it because we thought the sign was the thing. Now listen, if you look around at the glory of creation and you stop there and sit there and don't go on to what it's pointing to, you're missing it. That's not the thing. It's pointing you to the thing. Listen to creation. But what comes next? Number two, listen to God's word. So as we progress here in verse 7, the law of the Lord. So now we're talking about God's Word, the Bible. In David's day, they would have had the Pentateuch. They would have had what Moses gave them, the first five books of the Bible, right? And then David here is contributing to the canon of that day. Uh, they would have had some history in David's day of the period of the judges, which came before the kings, but none of the prophets had really come about yet. Uh, Solomon wasn't born. So a lot of books of the Bible weren't even written yet. But David had enough to know the law of the Lord given to Moses at Sinai is perfect. Reviving the soul, the testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. And the rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. First the skies, now the scripture. First creation, now the canon. 
You can't stop at the skies. You can't stop at creation. You've got to move on to the canon and move on to the scripture. The wise men followed the star, followed the star, followed the star. To what? To what? To what? To the scribes. And they opened the book and said, Bethlehem. They opened the book. God led them to the scripture. And God has to lead you to the scripture. Listen. Have you listened to the word of God? This is called special revelation. In other words, we believe that God must self-disclose specifics about himself. You can learn a lot sitting out in nature, but a tree is not going to tell you about Christ. God has to reveal the specifics about himself. He's done that through scripture. He's done that through his word. It's interesting that in verse 1, the general term for God in Hebrew was used only once. And now, starting in this section, the specific name for God, Yahweh, as seen in the capital L-O-R-D of verse 7, is used seven times. The Lord, the Lord, the Lord, the Lord. Now we're getting to know him. Creation got us started. The word is revealing him to us. Many disagree with this. Many would say, you can know God without the Christian Bible or religion at all. They would say often that you can discover him within, and we would strongly disagree with that. God is not discovered within. God is not even discovered around. God is discovered above, and he must disclose himself or we could never know him. Therefore, truth is absolute, and it applies to every person equally. Many people today would say there are no spiritual truths, and we reject these claims. So listen to God's word. Why? Well, jot this down. To refresh your soul. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. So the law is all God's will, particularly seen in the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Old Testament. The law is perfect, flawless, reviving the soul, meaning the only hope your soul has of being flawless is hearing the law of God. The testimony of the Lord is sure. So, jot this down, to grow in wisdom, making wise the simple. Man, do you need your soul refreshed? Do you need your soul set straight? Hey, do you need to grow in wisdom? Are there some big decisions that you have to make? We're going through a series Tuesday nights called Foolproof for Men and Women. It's all on wisdom, and this psalm is predominantly a wisdom psalm. And uh, we're learning kind of the do's and don'ts of, of wisdom in life, kind of when it comes to life. Here's the general course God has given us. The testimony of the Lord is sure. That means trustworthy. That means you can rely on the guidance that God's Word gives you. Know the Bible is not this ancient, out-of-date book that's good for some mythology, but nothing more. No, this is the path. This is the way still. And if you need to grow in wisdom, God's Word is where it happens. Verse 8, the precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. Jot this down. Listen to God's word to find joy, to refresh your soul, to grow in wisdom, to find joy. Hey, are you in the dumps? Are you wondering why you're even here? Are you struggling to find joy in life? You're just going through the motions, another load of laundry, clock in, clock out, stopping another fight with the kids. There must be more than this. Hey, hey, the precepts of the Lord rejoice the heart. When you find out that God's got a plan for your life, that he wants you to know him, there's joy even in the mundane, even in the smaller things of life. Wow. To find joy. Precepts refer to specific commandments God has given. And then it says, the commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. Jot this down, to be cleansed. 
or actually to see clearly, to see clearly, to refresh your soul, to grow in wisdom, to find joy, to see clearly. The commandment of the Lord is pure. It's like radiant. It's like it enlightens the eyes. It opens the eyes. It shows you the way clearly to go. The idea of a commandment meaning, uh, means God has authority. Even the name Lord means God has authority to tell you how to live your life. The commandment means God's law reigns. And it, it's pure, it's radiant, it opens your eyes, right? I once was blind, but now I see. Men love darkness, the Bible says. We have to bring our sins into the light to know Christ, who is the light of the world. Verse 9, the fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. So jot this down, to be cleansed. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. This idea of being clean and, and the fear of the Lord being clean means that you have to be fit to appear in God's presence. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And it's only through fearing God and finding his commandments that we can be acceptable in his presence. The fear of the Lord is where that starts. And it creates a ceremonial or a religious purity. When, when there's shame, when there's guilt in your soul for what you've done, for what you've become, then you fear God. and You repent and you come to him. Then it cleanses you. Though your sins are as scarlet, they can be white as snow. Then you can come into God's presence and endure there forever. So to be cleansed of guilt and shame. And then it says, the rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. To stand on firm ground. There's some legal words in here. Rulings, decrees. In other words, if you want to be judged right, if you want to have right, solid, legal standing in God's holy presence, He is the judge. And there you are. And you can actually stand on firm legal ground when you have been forgiven by God of all your sins. This is what the Word of God does. Listen to it to refresh your soul, to grow in wisdom, to find joy, to see clearly, to be cleansed, to stand on firm ground. It's a good time to check and to see how your daily Bible reading goal is going. Maybe you set a goal this year. Are you getting in God's Word three, four, five times a week? Are you opening your Bible in the morning or at night? Are you listening to what God is saying through the Bible? We have um, printed up for you a psalm reading plan. I'd love for one of your goals this year to be to read through the book of Psalms as we're going through this series. You've got several months, right? Uh, but you can pick up this reading guide on the way out, and it will check books one through five. It'll tell you all the psalms, and you just check them off as you read them. I'd love for you to set a goal to read through the psalms with me. Are you listening to God's voice? Jesus said in John 10, 27, my sheep hear my voice. I know them. They follow me. They follow my voice. Are you hearing the word of God? Wow. So number one, listen to creation. There's a glorious God who's mighty in heaven and wise and creative. Number two, listen to God's word. It's speaking to refresh your soul, grow in wisdom, find joy, see clearly, be cleansed, stand on firm ground. And then David moves on. Verse 10, more to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and the drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is your servant worn. In keeping them, there's great reward. Who can discern his errors? Declare me innocent from hidden faults. Keep back your servants also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then I shall be blameless and innocent of great transgression. 
Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. So number three, jot this down. Declare God's glory. Declare God's glory. This psalm started in the heavens. And here it ends in the heart. David looked up and said, well, creation is saying it. God is glorious. And then he looked in and said, the, the scripture is saying it. God is glorious. And then he kind of looked at himself. I want to say it. I want to say it. But he didn't quite like what he found inside his heart. This would be conscience. How do I know God? Creation, the canon, conscience. Well, if the sun is staying on its course and doing its job and running its race, how come I keep getting out of whack? How come I can't say it like everything else, right? I found a great video that went viral this week. David wrote Psalm 23, right? The Lord is my shepherd. We're just sheep. We're just sheep. David knew this. We're sheep. And so he's like, I want to glorify God, but why can't I? Like the sun, right? So check out this video of a sheep that got stuck in a little crevice. Here it is. There's no audio. It's just, it's just the video. But this, this guy's got to come up and pull the sheep out of the crevice, right? Oh, good. I am free. Whoops. It's just... that's me. That's me back in the ditch, right? That's you. And this is the idea here. Wow, creation. Wow, Bible. Whoa, I'm in trouble. All right, let's unpack this here. More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold. So jot this down. Do you want to declare God's glory? Treasure God's word. Treasure God's word. When you hear of God's law, when you hear of his revelation, when you hear who he is, you can reject that. And then you'll never glorify God in this life or in the next life. You have to treasure it based on what you've heard. You can't stop at creation. You've got to receive what God's word says. More to be desired are they than gold. Gold would be nice. Even much fine gold. A lot of gold would be nice. But God searches the heart and he wants his scripture, his word hidden in our heart. David was a man after God's own heart. What does that mean? It means when God looked into David's heart, he saw David looking into God's heart. Filled with the will and wisdom of God. That's what it means. Do you treasure God's word? Do you search for it like you're searching for treasure? Do you open your Bible in the morning expecting to find a mountain of gold? Or is God's word worthless to you? A junk drawer of ancient proverbs that do nothing to guide your life. It's like honey. Sweeter also than honey and drippings of the honeycomb. It's, it's satisfying. It fills our lives with good things. Well, that old straight jacket up in the sky is giving me ten rules to ruin my life. No, he's filling you with joy if you follow his will. And oh, the pain that comes if you walk away from his will. And remember that Jesus is the full and final revelation of God. It says in the New Testament, in him are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Jesus is the word, the wisdom of God. Jesus said, all the scripture points to me. The Psalms and the hymns, they point to me. They tell you about me. 
And so in treasuring God's wisdom and knowledge, it's not about rules, right? David Bruskus, I think it was, said, the Bible is not a rule book of rules to live by. It's a book about a person to live for. A person to live for. So creation takes you to the canon, which provokes your conscience, which leads you to Christ. That's how to know God. That's how to know God. Are you treasuring Jesus as the wisdom of God, as Savior and Lord? In the New Testament, it says, Christ in me is the hope of glory. David looked inside and realized he needed the gold. He needed the honey of God's word. Verse 11, moreover, by them your servant is warned. He needed the warning. He needed the warning. David knew that he was being tempted to go off course. By them your servant is warned. In keeping them, there is great reward. Verse 12, who can discern his errors? Now he reflects. He knows that. But he's like, I get it wrong and I don't even know how I got it wrong. I fall into a pit. I don't even know how I got in the pit. I'm flat on my back looking up. How did I get here again? Who can discern his errors? So he says to God, declare me innocent from hidden faults. Meaning I, I don't even know sometimes what I do wrong. Or sometimes, you know, these things are hidden right? Other people don't know about them. Declare me innocent from hidden faults. Keep back your servant also from presumptuous sins, meaning I know this is wrong and I'm going to do it anyway. Let them not have dominion over me. Then I shall be blameless and innocent of great transgression. Jot this down. Ask for forgiveness. Treasure God's word and ask for forgiveness. Do you want to declare God's glory? Treasure his word. Wow, there's good stuff in here. And then, oop, it's uh, a... <laughs> It's revealing some stuff that I don't like about myself. What a wretched man am I. God, forgive me, forgive me, forgive me. Have you repented and asked God to forgive you of all of your sin? See, when you walk into Scripture, it tells you God is glorious. Then when you walk into God's Word, it tells you God is righteous and holy. And then it says you're not. Have you been forgiven? It's so important to understand that we are not saved because we keep the law of God. The law exists to show us our sin. And I've broken this one, and I've broken this one, and I've broken this one. It's not about doing your best. It's about realizing you need a Savior. Do you have a Savior? Are you a forgiven person? Have you talked to God about things you don't even know you've done wrong? Lord, declare me innocent. And, and presumptuous sins. Lord, I knew I shouldn't do this, but I did it anyway. And even sins of bondage, sins that have, that have had dominion over you. God, I can't break the power of this one. Have you talked to God about all this? And more importantly, have you said, forgive me, forgive me? Then, like David says, are you blameless and innocent of great transgression? Are you a forgiven person? Are you a forgiven person? It's so hard for us to stay on track. The sun does it, right? But it's so hard for us to stay on track. But with the word of God and forgiveness then we can actually walk in the way of Christ. But you need to ask for forgiveness. So treasure God's word, ask for forgiveness, and then jot this down. Live to please your rock and your redeemer. Are you living to please Christ, the rock who was with Israel in the wilderness, the redeemer who lives again? Are you living to please Christ? It says in verse 14, let the words of my mouth, this creation, the sky started speaking, right? God's amazing! Then the word started speaking. God's amazing. And now David's like, let the words of my mouth say it. I want to say it. I want to sing it. Are you a professor of faith? Are you a worshiper of Christ Jesus? Is your life saying it? Let the words of my mouth. And then inside, you're not faking it. 
You're not giving lip service to this stuff. Deep in your heart, you know it's true and you love Christ. May this be acceptable in your sight. Are you living for the eyes of God alone? Be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Is Jesus your rock, your place of protection, your fortress, where you go to be safe from folly and deception? Is Jesus your redeemer who rescued you out of sin, out of slavery? Is he your rock? Is he your redeemer? And do you sing to him from a pure, true heart? Live to please your rock and your redeemer. Only God can give you the power to run the course found in his law, to align your life with the beauty and grandeur of creation so that you become a living, breathing vessel of his glory. Only God can do that. Far from making life boring and joyless, following Christ is the way to experience lasting joy forever. Which is why in Psalm 119.32, in the NIV, it says this, I will run in the path of your commands, for you have set my heart free. Just like the sun. I'm a glorious championship runner in your commands. No shame, because you have set my heart free. The New Testament makes it clear, to live is Christ. To live is Christ, and to die is gain. Hey, creation is saying it. Hey, the canon is saying it. Hey, your conscience is telling you. Christ is the only hope. Are you in? Are you in? This is where Psalms begins. Are you in? There's a whole book full of songs to God, but this is where it starts. This is where it starts. It began in the heavens and it ends in the heart is the glory of God expressed in his son present in your heart right now. Let's pray, and I'll give you a chance to express that glory to Christ right now. Let's pray together. Thank you, Father, that the heavens declare the glory of God. The sky above proclaims your handiwork. Oh, Lord, we have heard the beauty and wonder of creation. We don't stop there. Your word testifies of your greatness, your salvation, and shows us our sin. We don't stop there. Your son came into the world to save sinners, to give us deep within our heart the ability to please you in every way, to be forgiven, to be warned and protected, to have a rock, a fortress, and a redeemer. So Jesus, we pray right now, For those of us who have known you for many years, we just pray that you would remind us again of your glory. And may the words of our mouths and the meditation of our hearts be pleasing in your sight. Sun up to sundown. For those who have never invited Jesus to be their Savior and Lord, today may today be the day that they realize there is a God, a glorious God, a creative God mighty, powerful God. May they realize that God revealed himself and his will and that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And may they see in Christ that Christ Jesus came into this world to save sinners, that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through him. That in Christ we can be made a new creation so that all the wonders and the glory of God can actually flow through us. The all-surpassing power can flow through us so that with unveiled faces we can show the bright, gleaming glory of God to everyone around us. Today, O Lord, may it be the day that people say, O Father, forgive me for I'm a sinner. Jesus, 
Save me and wash me clean of all sin so that I might be radiant, full of heaven's glory. Forgive me and save me. And may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight. Father, whether we are saved here and now, newly saved, or we've been walking with you for decades, I pray that you would help us to hear what creation is saying again, to glory in you, to abide in your word and to stay off of the worldly paths and, and ultimately to be pleasing in your sight now and forever. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.